Welcome to Drunk Valorant, episode number 12. Um, Hunter, looking very stylish today. What do you, uh, you bring to the table? Well, I am bringing to the table something that uh, will probably shock you by what liquor is in it, given that, you know, uh, my preferences for liquor have never been expressed on this podcast. This is a gin and Sprite. Uh, however, I feel like gin and Sprite is kind of special compared to other soda and liquors, because, like, with a rum and coke or with a vodka Sprite, you really want to use just the lowest quality liquor because you don't really get to with the rum and Coke. The Coke is very strong. And with the Sprite and vodka, like the vodka is just there for the, for like a little, a little something to, you know, add to the alcohol content. But with a gin and Sprite, I feel like the gin and the Sprite flavor, if it's a good gin, they really go well together. So I'm actually drinking Hendrix gin, which uh, is slightly more expensive than, than uh, uncle Val's, but I'm still kind of split on which one I prefer. I think I lean towards Uncle Val's. Hendrix has a bit more bite to it and uh, is a bit, like, smoother, but Uncle Val's just has a lot of really cool flavor. But either way, uh, that's what I'm sipping on. Gin and Sprite right here. Well, the name yep. recognition is there because Hendrix, I feel like everybody knows Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just Hendrix is gin. my mom's favorite gin. Yeah, but everybody um, should know Uncle Val's because, I mean, what would this podcast be without it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, so, like, I... I know that Chase really hates gin, but um, I do. I've been telling him that uh, one of our roommates brought back a really interesting bottle of gin that uh, he said Ooh. that he got recommended from by his mom called uh, Nordes Gin from uh, Galicia in like northern Spain. And I tried that the other day, and it's like really, really interesting flavor profile, like a ton of botanicals, very floral. Like uh, Chase, I think you should talk to Matt and try that at some point because I think you might actually like that gin. Maybe, but I just like, don't like gin in general. Yeah. So Cast, I feel like you... if it's got a very floral flavor, then that's kind of just what gin is. It's a botanical liquor. Like Cass, have you had spirits. a... I didn't mean to interrupt, Chase. No. No, but yeah, that's that's true. Botanical is very normal for gin, mm-hmm. obviously. Cass, have you tried Bombay Sapphire? Yeah, of course. Okay, because I was wondering, because that, that is probably the strongest gin I've had in terms of, you know, the how prominent the flavors are. And I think that's a little bit much for me. So would you say that that, how does that like Bombay Sapphire compare to what Matt has? Well, interestingly enough, if Matt has a bottle kicking around, it is almost assuredly Bombay Sapphire. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that, I don't know if that is the most popular gin. I would assume so just because of the, like, everybody knows the blue bottle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I, what I think of when someone says gin, I think of Sapphire. I, I really don't like Sapphire, and I really like gin. Huh. I, I think at the price point, Sapphire is really good. Mm. Like, I, I really like it given its price. Whereas, uh, like, I, I do really enjoy Hendrix. Um, yeah. Especially some of the, like, Hendrix every once in a while will come out with, like, a like a special edition or, like, a slight variation to their usual formula. And you know, is that the story they had, like, a night? Yeah, there's like, like lunar, there's like a lunar, there's like a lunar one that they've yeah. come out with lately. I haven't tried that one, but like I tried their, um, I tried some of their other ones in the past, and like I've typically really liked those. But obviously, Hendrix has a bigger price tag to it. So, yep. Um, already Chase. Well, we know you're not drinking gin, but uh, what are you drinking? Well, I was just, I wanted to give the listeners a bit of a context about you know where Cass and I live because. You know, you may know that we live in Canada, and you've been wondering, where's all the fucking French in in the way that we speak, you know? Yeah, because we, we don't 
we definitely don't live in the furthest possible province from French Canada. Um, <laughs> but uh, today I have an Ile Sauvage Brewing Company, uh, Tropique. Ooh. So there's your your uh, Canadian French for for the day, uh, and it is a golden sour with pink guava and vanilla. I haven't actually tried it yet, but uh, it seemed pretty good at the store. And I was having a little bit of difficulty picking out uh, beers to drink because nothing was catching my eye. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna go with this one. Yeah, you you did take a while to select your your beers of choice today. Yeah, I w- I mean usually I go for a lot of like sours that I haven't tried before, but I was looking at the fridge, and I've just, like, tried everything. Yeah, they're not upping their stock as frequently as we need. Yeah, um, yeah, I need them to completely restock that fridge with new beers every week for this podcast. Well, one of the new beers that they got in uh, very recently that I got is a, a Strathcona Brewing, so another Vancouver brewery, called Imperial Love Buzz, which is a blueberry banana pancake. That's all it says. 10 percent pretty good it's not my favorite sour but like so far i'm enjoying it always nice that it comes in at that higher alcohol percentage yeah so i i also grabbed me one of those uh because that was the one that i hadn't tried and i was like i guess that the one i'm currently drinking too but that one obviously immediately popped out like blueberry banana pancake hell yeah mm-hmm. i want that so it sounds really good i haven't cracked it yet though so that does sound good man Alrighty, so first topic of the day, uh, I want to talk about pistols, um, because now we didn't talk about it enough in the last episode. Yeah, no, 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 it's it's, it's slightly different here. Um, I'm saying that while I am very feast or famine, just in general as a player, my play style, um, I find that the pistol rounds specifically are very, very hit or miss for me. I either come out and get like, you know, I'm hitting all those like headhunter one taps, get a 3k and like fantastic, or I miss all four shots. I got nothing but a classic left and like just get run over. Um, and so I was saying that, or I was thinking I would really like to have some kind of like in game mechanic similar to deathmatch or like similar to something kind of like spike rush, but it's just pistol rounds. Like, first to seven. Wait, what? Huh? So, I'm like, you play I a want... spike rush instead of pistol round? That's what you're saying? No, 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 no. no, no, no. He's just saying to train pr- I'm saying I rounds. want another game mode. Oh! <laughs> I, I want another game mode. Competitive has changed so that the first round is no, replaced no, with an no, entire no, no. spike rush game. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, first to four in spike rush gets pistol round. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold on. <laughs> No, okay, saying, I get I get that now. Yeah. I'm saying I want like a pistols only thing. And I was actually talking to Alex earlier today and we we're playing a couple games and I was saying like it, it might even be more feasible for us to try to get together like a group of people go into a custom game and then just say, "Hey, you get 800 credits to spend on armor and or weaponry, but like you can buy all your abilities." Um and we came to the caveat being a chamber my headhunter counts as me buying a gun. Like, I couldn't buy armor, but a gun. Or, like, I couldn't buy, like, a, a sheriff and then also have eight head, head, headhunter shots. Like, that would count as my gun if I chose to go with that. I see, I see. Um, but the other suggestion I've heard somebody bring up 
is that for the first 10 kills of a death match, you can only use pistols. And then once somebody hits that 10 kill threshold, then it opens up the rest of the guns. I just think that they should add more deathmatch modes. Like, regardless of... I, I don't think that changing this deathmatch, although it's not great, um, I don't think that it really solves the issue, because someone's just going to get 10 kills and then, fuck it, like... It's not that big of a deal in the deathmatch. Once someone hits 10 kills, then everybody gets vandals, and what if they suck with a vandal? Everyone else is just going to skyrocket past them. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, that. Like the, the point of it just puts you in a scenario where, like, because the the most common thing you hear people say is like, oh, just go into a deathmatch and only use a sheriff. It's like, I, I do do that often, but that's not the point of, like, what I'm trying to practice for. Is like, I'm trying to practice in scenarios where, like, everybody has pistols. But isn't it just more difficult facing better guns when you have a sheriff in your hand? Like, doesn't that training yes, but carry I'm saying over it, to it's a not, easier it, scenario? It, it doesn't really work because of full armor. Because of having, full armor? Oh. Having full armor makes a bunch of the the pistols just less effective. And yeah. in pistol well, yeah, rounds, yeah, it's I'm... impossible to have full armor with the exception of Reyna. Yeah, but but I guess what I'm saying is that wouldn't you agree that it's much more difficult to use a sheriff in pistol round than it is against as a save gun, like against full a full buy? Uh, not necessarily because two body shots kills. Two body shots kills in pistol round, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was saying the opposite of that. Oh. I'm saying it's much more difficult, obviously, if you're I'm yeah. not saying a controversial thing. I'm mm. just making sure you agree that it's harder to use a sheriff if you're in a full eco and the other team right, has a right. full body. But I'm saying like, it's not oh, it did sound like you meant the opposite of that. Okay, yeah, I might have said it backwards. It yeah. It's yeah. entirely possible. Okay, it sounds so like I guess so I guess my whole point is doesn't going into a deathmatch and going sheriff on, only, isn't that far better training for pistol round than the other way around because it's more difficult? And so but it's you, not um, exactly the scenario you'd be I, up against. I'm also well, no, it's not, not the talking, same scenario. I'm also not talking about just the sheriff. The sheriff would be the most viable gun to bring into a deathmatch currently. But things like... Well, you, frenzy, you're throwing if you have shorty, a frenzy or a shorty or a uh, ghost, ghost, right? Like, there's no way. Right, and so, like, it's just okay, like... I, I see what you're saying. The abilities is the significant thing, which I, I would tend to agree with. Yeah, is that um, in a pistol round, you need to buy other things. So I, right. I kind of like the idea of having a spike rush sort of game mode where... Yeah, you play like first to four, and it just every round you get 800, 800 credits reset. Yeah, so so just to be clear, uh, you guys are talking about you know like a spike rush, but the closest comparison is actually already pretty close, which is the first round of a of a replication game. of a replication exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it, just for some reason they give you nine hundred credits instead. I don't know why mm-hmm. instead of eight hundred because you can buy a Bucky, um, but like. If they just dial that that down to eight hundred, and then and they give you all your abilities, and then just but let did, you play whoever you want. Of course, of course, right, right. I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking about the economic side of things and the purchasing. Yes, obviously, you wouldn't have to be all the same agent. So essentially, just that, and you get the same amount of credits every round. Yeah, like I, I, I would just like a scenario in which like I can the same way I'd go into a death match and just like practice dueling, like rifle v rifle. I'd like to be able to practice dueling pistol v pistol. Yeah, I mean, I I get that. I think that, yeah, pistol deathmatch doesn't really work as well because then you're just going to have a bunch of sheriffs. Um, the thing that 
adds a lot of variability in pistol rounds in game is ability like buys. So there's a lot of characters where you're going to want to buy only abilities and not a, like just keep your classic, right? Or, you know, you can buy a couple of abilities and then now you can only buy a ghost or you can only buy a frenzy. So it's about what that trade-off is um, for you as as an individual character that if you just had a pistol-only deathmatch, then it wouldn't work as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you were to have the pistol-only deathmatch, like, the only way to have shields would be with a classic or a shorty. Because, like, I, I think they would have to code it in that, like, if you choose to buy Frenzy, Ghost, or Seraph, you just don't get shields. Yeah, and if it wasn't well, that's the way it works match, now, right? Like if you get eight hundred well, credits, yeah, yeah. That's no, but you don't get credits to buy. You don't get like, credits in deathmatch. Oh, oh, he's saying okay, that if there was a deathmatch, ah, I could see that. That yeah, if you buy frenzy or or not frenzy, if you buy what classic or shorty, yeah, then you can you get, get shields. light shields. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, you only have a hundred health, right? Because there, there are definitely scenarios in which, or like. Just, you know, based on your personal preferences. Like in Pistol Round, there are a bunch of people who would never buy a share. Yeah. Me. Because that's just not the yeah, that's just not the gun that they want to have in that scenario. Well, I'd just rather um, have my abilities. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have a frenzy. Right. <laughs> in general over a, a sheriff, so I don't know, I, I'm just as of late, I've just been, you know, I feel like more so than I am in other rounds i'm just just so like almost lost in pistol round or everything's just going right for me and those scenarios don't help me improve either because if i feel like i can't miss then like it's like oh of course i should always just get a sheriff and just one tap everybody but it doesn't always happen like that yeah so this is what i was thinking when you originally brought up the topic is that i think that that's a symptom of the headhunter or the sheriff in these pistol rounds. And that and that's your buy, right? So yeah. you're buying headhunter rounds and pistol. And if you don't hit that first or second shot, you're going to die. Like if you don't hit the head tap either first or second, you're going to die to a frenzy or a ghost or a shorty if they're that close on you. Right? So I feel like it's really dependent on is your aim feeling to the point where yeah I'm going to get that head tap and if it's well, not at that moment then you shouldn't be buying your headhunter rounds and pistol I think then you should be buying a frenzy like you used to the difference is like with the with the headhunter rounds is number one I can kill most people in two body shots because I feel like the the light armor buy isn't super common anymore Yeah, um, and so more often than not just two body shots and that's me a kill. And so long as I tag people, like it does fifty five damage. But if you only so, get four rounds. Yeah, but if I tag three people, that's three people at half health. It, it makes it that much easier for the weapons that the rest of my team has to secure those kills. I mean, same if you hit a body shot with a ghost. I mean it's slightly less. But I mean, a ghost and pistol round kills to the head if they didn't buy light shields. Yeah. So what's the difference between buying a sheriff or buying a ghost? When a ghost, you can fire much faster. Um, Well, the one-tap with the sheriff. I personally don't like the ghost. You one-tap with the ghost and pistol as well. 
Well, you one tap with the sheriff, even if they do buy light armor. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, and also specifically, my like, headhunter has ADS. Yeah, like, the but like I'm, over the we're like talking, we're yeah, talking about myself. Like I never play. I almost never play chamber. But like uh, on pistol round, if I'm on defense, I heavily prefer the sheriff over the ghost. If I don't need utility for the round. Like, if I need utility, then, of course, it has to be Ghost if I need to buy something. But I much prefer to use the Sheriff. See, I'd much prefer the Ghost because, sure, a Sheriff guarantees a one-tap. But as Cass said, most people don't buy shields. Unless That's you're Chamber true. and you're buying for Headhunters and, and Light Shields. Like, mm-hmm. everybody else is probably going to upgrade their gun from the Classic and buy utility or just buy all utility. Yeah, just just to be clear, I was just saying what my preference is. I don't think the sheriff is objectively a better pistol round buy than the than the ghost. Um, for me, I just do much better with the sheriff. I think it's because of the feel of the gun that when I shoot a sheriff shot, the the big sound of it and the you know the dramatic gun animation, like all of it reminds me. It drills it into my head. I have to shoot this gun slowly. I have to peek, take a shot or two, and then reposition regardless of, of what happened with my shots. Whereas with right. the Ghost, because it has a much more subtle suppressed sound, I feel like I should be able to spam much faster with it than I can. And as a result, I have embarrassed myself with the Ghost many times when I've tried to use it. So I'm not saying the Ghost is worse. I'm just saying that I'm bad with the Ghost. So I yeah. lean towards the Sheriff. I, I definitely agree with Hunter there. And like in situations like in Pistol Round, like if one of my teammates bought a Ghost and dies, I'm probably keeping the Classic instead of picking that up. I think like, that's crazy. I, I mean, I know that that's just a feel thing. Yeah. And so it, I, I understand that because I have guns that are like that for me, right? If if I have a classic and somebody drops a Marshall, I'm keeping the classic. Yeah, we discussed this last podcast, what guns we hate most to see on the ground. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't want to yeah. see a Marshall. Like I don't want to see an op. I'm not going to pick up an op unless like it's the end of the round. I've killed everybody and I'm saving it for somebody else on my team. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I like I personally just do not like the ghost and that that's outside of the fact. I mean, I think specifically in the context of pistol rounds, all like the pistols are pretty balanced. Um and I think also specifically in pistol round, the uh the shorty's kinda slept on. Because I do has, not think the shorty is slept on. I think the shorty's kinda slept on because it has the problem of killing fully armored opponents in those two shots. How many times have you like bought a shorty during a save or and by fully armored one. you mean light armor no no, no he's, say, like, he's saying in it's the problem with the shorty is that it doesn't it doesn't save, oh, oh, oh i see what you're saying yeah. okay okay is oftentimes of, yeah. i'll be in a scenario where i double tap someone with the shorty and then die and i look at the like my death screen and i'm like fuck i hit him 138 yeah yeah, yeah but definitely. that that secures the kill in pistol round yeah um and i think the other thing with the shorty is it's pretty fucking cheap and if you leave it on the ground you can have a classic in your hand drop the classic pick up the shorty and if they push the other site like yeah it sucks you wasted 150 credits but you only wasted 150 credits see i think better than the pistol round buy i think the shorty is a i like the shorty buy round two after a loss in pistol round when you only have a couple hundred credits to spare until, like, you know, you got to save so that you can full buy in round three. Um, so you got a couple hundred credits to, to waste there. I, like, I buy a shorty a lot in that scenario. 
on defense, right? Not offense. Yeah, defense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I think rounds outside of pistol, the shorty is easiest to uh, easiest to justify buying because it is so darn cheap, and it's a perfect complement to a slow firing gun. Like if I buy a guardian in a round because where my team is like I'm forcing up to be with my team, maybe I have slightly less credits. Maybe the whole team is forcing, even though we don't quite have enough for our rifles. If I buy a guardian then, you know, a shorty or a frenzy goes really well with that for if, if I get pushed up close. So uh, I'm fully behind using the shorty as a secondary, like a true secondary when you have an actual primary. I think the problem with it on pistol rounds is that um, when you buy a shorty, what you're getting is solely close range value. And with the classic right click, I just don't think the value of the shorty over the classic right click is significant enough to warrant it costing any more money when the shorty is completely useless at anything outside of very close range. So I think I might have mentioned this before, but I would be fully in support of the shorty being free, like the classic, because I just don't think the value that it provides is enough to cost any money. Even though, not saying it's worthless, I just I just think if you look at the classic and the shorty and ask which gun should cost more, not you know, setting aside our experience, I think it'd be hard to argue that the shorty should cost more than the classic. I mean, I will stick to my point that we made many episodes ago where the classic should just not have a right click. Oh, I'm fully okay with that. Yeah. yeah I'm talking about the current state of the classic. I would, yeah. I would actually really like if the classic was left click only, and then you had to buy a shorty if you wanted that close range potential. Like, yeah. I think that'd be sick. Um, okay. That's not, really the whole point of this conversation here but like like I, I i do get what you're saying hunter but like i i i guess what i'm really trying to get at here is like you know i i just want some way to to work on that some way oh, I to, agree. Yeah. to practice what is arguably the most important two rounds in a game absolutely yeah i mean it, it sets a lot of momentum for the game mm-hmm. um and like that's where pistol. you like, if you win, someone ran a bunch of stats on it, and I think, like, if you win both pistols, you've got, like, an 80% chance of winning that game, just off that wow. alone. Um, so, like, I, I'd like some way to get better at this aspect of the game that I personally feel like I am not very good at. Yeah, there's there's one thing that comes to mind for me, though, which is something that I'm not sure if the pistol-only mode, the way we described it, would solve. And that's that, I think, besides what you guys already discussed with, you know, you specifically, Cass, being hit or miss, uh, pun intended, on a pistol round based on how your aim is feeling. I think another thing about pistol round that makes it unique is because, uh, you know, you're more okay with dying pistol round, you understand that they, they can get chaotic very fast. I think teams tend to, in a comp game, or unrated, either way. In a full game, they play their pistol rounds very differently than the way they play the rest of their rounds. Like, in pistol round, you much more often see a full push onto a site, like a five-man rush onto site, where even if they lose people in the initial duels, they still just keep pushing and trying to get the trades and secure the site. Uh, On defense, you see very commonly, like, three or sometimes even more uh, man pushes on defense out into the most common, uh, like, contested point for the most commonly gone to site like the biggest one that i've seen time and time again is on ascent 
the B garage pistol round rush on offense is so common that I often see when we do it, like three people pushing garage from the start of the round. And that's just not something that you would really do in a non pistol round. So I guess, I guess kind of what I'm, what I'm leading up to is that um, if there was a pistol only game mode where all the rounds were sort of treated the same, I kind of wonder if people would approach them differently and that might limit the amount of, uh, you know, similarity between that and the pistol round in the game. I'm not saying it'd be bad. I'd still like to see it. That's just kind of the the, the worry that's come into my head. Yeah, I, c- I could definitely understand that. I think that overall, regardless of how you would play those rounds, because you might want to play back more and maybe play it more like a typical game or a typical yeah. round, um, if it was just pistol rounds over and over again. I think regardless, you're up against the same utility and the same guns that you would be in a pistol round, sure. and so it's still on the majority side useful. Oh, yeah. I I don't disagree with that. I'd love to see it. Yeah, And this is somewhat of a non-sequitur, but going into round two, I've decided that anybody who doesn't buy round two after winning pistol, I'm just going to report for, for throwing. <laughs> I was what? about to bring this up too. I was about what? to bring this up too. I'm, like, I'm, oh just gonna, I'm not actually going to report them. Throwing. I'm not like, actually going to report them, but like, Jesus Christ, does it piss me the fuck off? Like the the one exception to that rule is if you're on defense and you were playing either jet or chamber, and you bought a sheriff round one, you stayed alive, and you're going to buy an op round three. But like, interestingly, the one game, exception is what you do. Because I think that there's a viable reason to do that. Yeah. But that should only be one person on the team who has sheriff armor and is still, like, still has a viable fighting chance um, and probably does have a gun advantage over the enemy team who is most likely saving. Um, And then the other four members on your team should have either, like, rifles light or, like, Spectre full. Spectre full. Finger full. Sure, Stinger full, like that. That that's fine, right? Four. You still have an team. advantage over a classic, yeah. which is four most people on the team, the No matter what, should have buys or should be buying round two. I'm saying I can understand an individual on the team keeping a sheriff and trying to go for the off. Yeah, but that that is a prerequisite of that is that they have a sheriff. Yeah, right. You is can't that... buy the sheriff round two. You have that, to have bought the sheriff round one. Yeah, you have to you have to buy the sheriff round one. But I'm saying that there are so many times when people will save their classic, they'll just or a, a frenzy or something. I'm like, you have no advantage over the other team round two. Why did we win, win pistol round then? And what'll often happen, what what we've seen in a lot of games recently, is that you know Cass and I will be queued together. We'll force up. And I won't even think about it. I won't even look at the other people's buys to be like, hey, force up. You know, if I can if I can calm that, hey, we're forcing here, I would. But I just, it's so obvious to me that we won round one. I'm, this is what my buy is now. I just buy it. And then we lose the round. I look and I see that three of the members of my team can buy full now. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, we would have won that round had you bought a Spectre. 
if you had a Spectre in that engagement instead of a Classic, you probably would have won it. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I wholly agree with that, Chase. It, it's very frustrating when someone, a rando, is the last alive, and because they didn't buy up, now they're not able to win the fight when they obviously would have if they had. Well, it's not even um, last alive. Like, if I'm on the other site and, like, the people get well, I'm, run I'm over... Saying, yeah, I'm saying because last alive because that's when you really in. get to watch it. Like, if I'm if I'm yeah. alive while someone is dying because they bought a didn't buy round two, like I might not even really notice. If I didn't look I'll, at their I'll buy, notice I because I'll, I'll see their credits the next round because when yeah, I'm oh, yeah. saving and they go for their rifle full shields buy, and I'm like, hey, we're saving because we should have forced last round. Yeah. What the hell are you doing buying full right now, round three? Yeah, I think uh, when Cass, when you started off by saying you're going to report someone who doesn't buy round two. I mean, so, yeah, who doesn't buy a round two after round one win. I think that might be a little extreme for the reason that I think the real throw is just not buying uh, uh, with your team. Because the scenario in which Chase described, that's the problem. When you get to round three and uh, the team is not all able to buy uh, rifles or the opposite, you, you know, basically the team is wildly off with what people can buy slightly off is no problem. Wildly off is a problem. And, um, what, what I kind of think is that if you want to save round two after winning round one, personally, I really like the force to get that round in the bank, but I was just thinking about this as you guys were talking, even though it's not the meta strategy, if someone on my team, like if I had multiple randos I was queued with who were really convinced that we should all save round two after winning round one, I wouldn't be horribly opposed to that because it's actually it's actually a less risk strategy. Because if you win round one, the other team, the enemy team saves round two, you save one round two, then regardless of whether you win or lose, you get to win, you get to buy round three. And at that point, the scoreboard is 1-1. And then if the other yeah, team you both forces, get to buy round three. Because if they oh, right, save right. round two, so it's just making round two and round three even when you could have had round um, two for round free. two for free or a much greater advantage on round two. Sure, then they have the advantage round three, but then the score line is two to one and you're in the lead. Well, Instead so of being yes, fifty fifty split on that round three. Well, yes, I agree. I agree with you on that. But the thing is, if you uh, the thing is, if the other team forces, so you won round one, the other team forces round two, you save. Then if you get a couple kills in that round, then in round three, the other team can't all force up. They can't all get go to rifles. And then you now have the advantage in round three. So then you should, in that scenario, win rounds one and three and lose round two. And so it's essentially the safer option in my way of looking at it. Is it a good option? I Just to be clear, I'm not arguing that that's better. But like where I'm, go where I'm going with this is that if my team really wanted to do that, maybe there's someone on the team who is who is opping and they say, since I'm saving for an op, how about we all save round two so that I can buy op and you guys can buy rifles round three? I would be fully okay with that. I think the real throw is when you have people using different strategies because then you're getting the benefits of neither. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your overall point. I don't necessarily agree yeah. with your minute point. Um, got it, got it. Yeah, I mean, Cass and I played a game earlier today where we had a rando teammate who, you know, saved round two, bought rifle full round three while the rest of us had to save because we lost that round. Or not the rest of us, it was just Cass and I that had to save. Yeah. Um, because we were the only two that forced up. Um, Lame. And then we were, 
I was like, hey guys, like let's save a couple of us can't buy because we forced last round. Um, and you know the two other people were like didn't say anything. They just sold their their rifles and and saved with us. But one person decided to make it known by saying, hey, I'm gonna do what I want to do. I can buy what I want. <laughs> and we were like, hey, Reina, go uh, fuck it was, yourself. It was a neon. Oh, neon. It was a neon. <laughs> Buying oh, even better. round three on attack. <laughs> oh, yeah, you told me that there was a player who did that. It That's was crazy. ridiculous. The, Off the, round three on attack while the rest of their team can't buy. As a Neon, who probably shouldn't have an op in the first place. No, because yeah, I, I was selling cast last first, night. At least you should be. Yeah, I, I believe pretty strongly that Neon is literally the worst agent in the game to op with. Because if you think about it, you know, when, you're, when you do your run thingy, you have a really long time to equip your weapon after that. Like, you can't slide out of your run and get an op kill unless it's, a, like, a really lucky no-scope. <laughs> like, a full, a full move right. no-scope. Your slide, slide is useless for, for that shot. Yeah, your slide is useless and you're vulnerable while you're sprinting. And then your walls to block line of sight, like, the last thing you want to do with an op in your hands is block line of sight where you're peeking. And if you use it to, like, cover your flank or something, you're still, like, letting the enemies get closer to you while you can't see them and putting yourself in a bad scenario. So, like, I, I really think that Neon is terrible to use an op. And then, okay, but, like, another scenario Chase and I ran into earlier was uh, we had a Jet who was saving round two. All right? And I was saying, okay, that's fine. But then we'd go into round three, and they'd buy, like, rifle full. Like, what is the fucking point in saving round two? In this it's case, we did not... win round two. Yeah, we did win round two anyway. But, like, what's the fucking point of saving to not then buy the op? Like, what what were you saving for? And she had op money. Like, she Dude. had the 59000 or the 59000 credits you needed to get op full plus some utility. Like, what is the point to saving to that amount of money not to buy the op? Yeah, yeah and, that was just dumb. Yeah, and then at that point as well, you're you're even more out of sync with your team because the rest of your team is probably bonusing round three. And now instead of bonusing, you have an op. So then if like, I, your I, team okay, loses I, that I round, think... then you've lost your op. Well, I, I'm saying I, I don't think it's necessarily bad. Oh, sorry, I meant, I meant rifle. I meant rifle. I didn't. Right, I said right. op. I meant I meant rifle there. Yeah, right. I I agree that it, it can be okay to buy an op when your team is bonusing because you can take a duel where the op is really good, and so that makes sense. Right. So I I misspoke there. Yeah, and also like if if it comes down to it, you you saving not a huge deal. Like you kind of right. somewhat expect yeah. to lose your bonus anyway. It's like hey, I'm gonna play a bit more passive here. I'm gonna hope to get like a couple picks with the op. Maybe we can get some recoverable rifles um, and turn the tide in this round. And, you know, if it doesn't go our way, I'm just going to back off and, and save this op. And then we all go into round four. I've already got the op and everybody else can buy rifles. Um, but like, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, the, the number of people who decide like, oh, well, I have a ghost from round one. I'm just going to buy some light shields and save round two. And I think that's an active throw. Like, you are sabotaging the team by doing that. And I will report you from now on. <laughs> Personally, I, I believe that everyone should be able to have their own strategy. Like, for example, I think one scenario that 
make some sense, and I feel like you should be able to sympathize with this a little bit, Cass, even though this isn't the this is not the extreme to which you are. If you have someone who, well, the op scenario is one we already discussed, so I guess that's not the best one. I was just trying to think if you have someone who is for some reason really bad with a force gun, particularly if there's someone who you spends a lot on utility, so they can't. Like, I guess, I guess one scenario is this, right? You play Sage, and you're playing Sage on attack on split. So you use all, you buy and use all of your utility round one. You buy a classic full utility, you use your wall to get into sight, you use your slow orbs. Then in round two, even with the win, unless you got a bunch of kills, like, you don't even have enough to, to buy a Phantom or a, or a Vandal. So, or, a, or with, any, with any amount of shields. So at that point... Like, you know, I, I still don't think it's necessarily the right call, but, like, I can understand someone who decides I want to save here and I really think they should calm with the team. But I don't, I don't, I don't believe throwing is the same thing as using bad strategy. Yeah, yeah I guess that's kind I, I of where agree my with, point is. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not a throw. It's not throwing. Okay. It, it's just bad strategy. But I will You're say that you can, you can still get, if you get, like, a kill or do somewhat well in the first round you could buy full utility uh specter full or specter light if you don't have enough and you absolutely 100 percent of the time if you win round one have specter light full utility that is true so why would you not do that when you know that you're going to be up against classics or like frenzies or ghosts if they decide to spend a couple hundred credits on it or maybe two weeks ago in Aries. Yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah. I guess the key thing for me is that my definition of throwing and what I think Riot thinks of as throwing is not you making a decision that isn't, isn't the meta and isn't the meta for a good reason. Like, for example, like if, if you know, you're, you're on attack and you're, this isn't relating to buys at all. You have planted the spike and someone's like going to defuse the spike and you just decide to gamble on them having faked it. And you like, don't peek at the spike for 7.5 to seconds. And then it turns out that they actually were sticking it. Like, you know, that was a, that was you sabotaging your team in a sense that you decided to get cute with your strategy and it ended up being worse. But like, I would never report that person for throwing unless they were like, unless they were obviously deliberately doing that. Like if they Unless they the ran away from sight and bunny yeah. hopped away okay. while but the yeah, exactly. I think there's, there's I, a I difference there's there. There's a difference in that you're in that context. You're trying to make the right play, right? You're, yeah, you're and, like, yeah, oh. and they're and they're right. they're just making a bad strategy call in in the buys. And I feel like right. if that's not working for them, they're gonna stay at fucking bronze. Well, if it's if the other thing is working for you you're going to promote out of bronze and then slowly get less of those people. I feel like the reason why we've been having this issue a lot recently is because we're finding it very difficult to get out of the bronze three silver one territory right now. I see. see. Whereas when we were in silver three gold one last act, like that happened way less often. Yeah. This entire scenario, just, I, I don't remember it being such a big deal. Um, before I was in all of these lobbies with bronzes now. That's fair. I I don't feel like this is super new. Like, I, I, I felt like I saw this throughout all of Last Act as well. 
Like, I don't think this is out of nowhere. It has recently started to really piss me off. But I think as of late, that might have just been like the straw that broke the camel's back rather than it being like an anvil being dropped all of a sudden. I just feel like we're seeing it more now because we're at a lower rank. But once we grind our way back up, we're going to start seeing it less and less. And even though we're grinding our way back up, we're still low elo, right? Yeah. Okay. But like, even, even if I am playing at a lower rank, I should be playing at the same MMR as I was before. In theory, in it's theory, hard to say what in exactly theory, is right. Well, the thing is, in theory, but then we were discussing earlier today how you play worse against bronzes than you do against like gold plats. So, um, the thing is, while you're in bronze, you're going to start losing games to bronzes, which then makes your hidden MMR drop significantly lower. So, true. It means that you're not at the same MMR that you were last act, and the same is with me, because we've been losing games in our current MMR, which makes it drop. Yeah, I, I would I'll... like to weigh in on how this has affected me, except I still haven't placed this act yeah. on my main. Yeah, you haven't <laughs> played like anything, but I've like exclusively cast, been so. playing on alts for to play with <laughs> well, my dad. Oh, I, so. I'm placed on my main. Oh, you're placed, but you've barely. I mean, you're just trying to do the battle pass on your alt. Yeah, so I'm just trying to the battle pass. Yeah. 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 Um, but like, I mean, my my main's in silver two right now. I think I'm, like, two games off of Silver 3, assuming I win them. Like, my, like it, it's not like I've never played. That is a big assumption. It's a huge <laughs> assumption. <laughs> Especially the way we've been playing recently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was playing a game earlier today with, with Alex, and admittedly, yes, Alex is smurfing pretty hard. Um, I think he was actually playing on Kate's account, and he double-ranked up after this game. But, oh my goodness. Oh no, four kids. Um, <laughs> like a bunch of people in that game had like plat plat two or like gold three in their like last act like triangle or whatever. And I felt like I was smurfing in that lobby. Like I, I, I feel like maybe this rank crunch has actually pushed out a ton of people who were heavily boosted up there. Wait, because pushed it, out is in pushed up or pushed down? No, pushed like down. pushed down. Like, like it, because I saw I saw the Reyna on our team who had a had plot three in their act triangle. I think that was the highest in the lobby. Um, and like she would just crouch spray every engagement. It's like I understand you having a bad game. I'm not saying you have to have a good game all the time, but like those habits do not lead to you being in plat 3. So I actually think this rank squish, which everybody's gotten stuffed back down, is actually doing some good work here. It's just frustrating. At least for like Chase and I currently, having to go up against a bunch of people who were you know, just better than we were and are now at like a similar rank to us and it feels bad when you just get one tapped consistently by the brimstone on their team. And it says he's the silver one. Yeah. And you're like, like well, fuck, I should not be getting one tapped every time by a silver one. Yeah. And I tried yeah. to look him up on tracker and he didn't have a tracker account. Unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get that like uh thing that one of the people we play with has where you like have the boof? Yeah, boof. Yeah, but yeah. it only shows you current acts. Oh, I see. So it wouldn't show me what they had last act. 
Got it. Oh, got where it, it show it like looks up the people in your current game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's the desktop tracker GG app mm. instead of using the website. What Booth has. Um, yeah, I don't. Know. I I feel like the I I think I can say that the rank crunch has been good for the game overall. It's just currently kind of frustrating. Oh yeah, yeah. it's a doggy th- dog world. Well, I think a lot of people are finding it re- really frustrating because a lot of people, of course, I mean, you work hard to get your rank, and mm-hmm. even if that was boosted or a lucky streak of wins, you still spent a lot of hours in the game to achieve that that rank, right? So that Reyna that was plat three, now she's playing in a in a silver lobby. She probably feels like shit, right? Being like, I was plat three last act. Like, sure, maybe I was boosted a little bit, but I shouldn't be playing and doing terrible against silvers. Right? Which is the same way I feel right? when I'm like, shit, like, I was a solid silver three last act. I felt like I was doing good in my silver three games. And then now I'm struggling to get out of bronze three? Like, that shouldn't be happening. But I, so I feel like a lot of people are feeling that, and Cass brought up a really interesting point earlier, which is if you're saying that a lot of those people were extremely boosted in the higher ranks, that them dropping down therefore pushes everybody else down and makes it more difficult for literally everybody. Mm-hmm. So maybe eventually these things will even out and you'll feel like in your games that you're in the correct ELO. You know, regardless if that's now silver one for me or if it's back in gold one where i was last act right um it'll eventually even out and i'll feel like okay i'm i'm in the right rank and there's not someone one tapping me every time i peek the corner when i no one on my team could ever do that to them yeah right now there's still a little bit of a of a discrepancy of people being maybe held down by random factors Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I wonder if some of it has to has to do with how good the battle pass is. Because, like, as you mentioned, Cass has been grinding the battle pass on his ult, and I think a lot of people really like this battle pass. So it's possible that a, a more people are playing on their alts than usual because to unlock the battle pass, and that's making things even more complicated. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird, like, sentiment, but it makes sense because the battle pass gives you a, a skin for a lot of guns. So it's and like cool a battle skin. pass, and they're... <laughs> A lot of them are yeah. really cool, especially in this one. So it's like, you might yeah, as you well buy it on it. an alt. Yeah. You might as well buy it on an alt, and then you have skins on your alt for whenever you're playing that. Mm-hmm. So you spend an act, you grind the battle pass on that, and then you can go back to your main. You can play with your real skins that you have, but then you have some skins on your alt when you want to go fuck around on that, too. Okay, but also, Hunter, I think the main point here is I have an alt. I don't have a smurf. Yeah, you you say that. Like, I, I'm not buying it. You've made it to gold, and your ult is in bronze. No, like, his, his I, ult was also gold in gold on one. He was in gold one on his ult and his main at the end I of have, the act. I have right, more right. wins okay. in gold on my ult than I did on my main last act. Oh, okay. Fair point, fair point. Because after I got to gold on my main, I didn't know if you needed to stay in that rank to get the gun buddy, or whether you could drop back down and it would give you the gun buddy for your peak. And so I was like, you know what? I made it to gold on my main just gonna play on my alt and then i played more games in gold on my alt than i ended up playing on my main but but i guess you know i think i think part of the i I think part of the reason why i still feel like it's a bit of a smurf 
is because you more often play on your Smurf when you're queuing with people such as my dad. Uh, I don't know if you've queued in comp with my dad. Maybe you have. I've uh, not po- queued in comp with your dad, just unrated. Okay, just unrated. So, but, but I like, use, I use, but like, your, use like I use your Tony. alt, like the Stone Barn Brawler for that's that. That's true. That's true. It's it's really your alt at this point. <laughs> I yeah, haven't used it in like a year. <laughs> but like, yeah, um, right. Yeah, when it comes to playing with like Tony or with like, uh, I was trying to think of who else, like, like uh, with with other people who uh, are a bit lower rank. Then you tend to use the ult, which then, before you get to gold, it, like, boosts your hidden MMR up a bunch by how often you're winning because of that initial, because of that initial factor. So, like, even so if so you grinded the it... last couple games to get to gold, like, I, I was going like to say the opposite. I was going to say that when we're playing with people who are significantly worse than us, like, then using your ult actually prevents you from taking those losses on your main. Whereas when oh, we're playing oh, sure. with people, when yeah. we're playing with people better than us, and then you play on your main, then you know we're, you, we're you could that, that you, would get you boosted up. That would get you boosted up, which right. yeah. And then when you know when you swap to playing with some some of our iron buddies, then you you switch to your to your alt. But which I feel like significantly changes which games and what MMR you're getting from each, like on each account. Right, but nonetheless. If anything, that would make the hidden MMR on my alt higher. Not higher than your main significantly, because you're you could be taking losses because we're playing with people much less like worse than us. Yes, but I'm significantly more likely to pop off. But if you're popping off against like bronzes or Mm -hmm. irons, it's not the same as you popping off against uh, a gold. Right, right. And what I'm saying is that if you're, even if your hidden MMR gets high on your Smurf, if you're queuing with someone who is a low rank and a low hidden MMR, then the other team is going to be significantly worse. So, like, sure, you're not going to get performance bonuses as much necessarily if your hidden MMR is that high. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the thing that affects your hidden hidden MMR the most is whether you win or lose. The performance bonuses are just, like, a nice addition. So, when it comes to... Uh, you know, you being able to rank up really fast on your alt to get to the point where you could then say, okay, I'm going to try to get this to gold. Like, that was... I think that, like, I, I, I still feel like that's the, like, that's still kind of the opposite of having a smurf, because the idea of having a smurf is you're playing on account, you're playing on an account that has a much lower hidden MMR than what your main is. Like, that's what makes you a smurf. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I think that's I, true to an extent. Yeah, I mean, Hunter and I are kind of arguing in different directions here for your all. We are, we are. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but regardless, I, I yeah, think we, I alt, think that your alt is not a smurf. Yeah, like, I think my alt is just an alt. It's not a smurf. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's fair. The more I think about it, the more I think, yeah, sure. I think that it's it's hard to be at a smurf when you're in the lower, like, when you're in iron, silver, gold. A Smurf's not taking you that much lower. Sure, like yeah. a real gold two player is going to dunk on a bronze three player, like on a bronze three lobby, right? right. Like you're absolutely going to destroy them. So, like I, I see that it could be a bit of a Smurf, but it's not the same as like, you know, a, a plat coming down to to silver. I feel like that discrepancy is higher. I can see. Yeah, I, I mean, feel yeah, like I, I agree. 
I still feel like I would just like if I were to get into a true like iron lobby. Like if I were to make an account and actively grow up until account level twenty, and like actively just play like dog shit to get placed iron one, and then go into those lobbies actually tried. Like I feel like all three of us would absolutely stomp on the other team, like no questions asked. And it's not like we're like we're not at high UL. Like I, I still feel like there's a fairly large discrepancy down to that. Yeah, well, but I feel like, like I'm I feel probably like not going to range. ace every round. You know, like I'll that there's a, there's a difference between you know when you get into a lobby with a serious Smurf and they're acing every other round. Mm-hmm. Like you kill the four people on their team and then they one v five you like multiple rounds in a row. Yeah, like like the game my dad played that I told you guys about where the rain on the other team had 65 kills in a yeah. non-overtime game. <laughs> like yeah, that is the kind of smurf game. that you just can't deal with. Yeah. Yeah, that's like yeah. a That was an iron lobby smurf. game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't where, know if I yeah. could drop 65 in an iron game. Like I, I would think bet, I could. I think I I would I bet that person was level 30 also. some. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, but also, Chase, you tend to play not super aggro characters. Yeah, but you can frag like, on anyone. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if I were to play in, like, a true Iron game and I were to pick a Jet or Arena and just run it down... Yeah, like, yeah, they I, I would just get in, anything. I would it. just get into more engagements than you would mm-hmm. because you would be playing either, like, a Sover or a Brimstone and probably not entering. Or, like, it, it's just harder for you to get into as frequent engagements. No, definitely, which I feel like is sometimes when I feel really crispy and, like, I feel like I'm having a good game, but I still don't end up as, a like, high on the leaderboard. It's because it's, like, every engagement that I've gotten into, I'm winning. But I just get into less engagements because I'm playing back more. Yeah. Oh, which, that was the other problem I had with uh, Neon Opping, is I I was playing Jet that game um, because we had, I think we had two Sentinels. We had like already. a sage and a cipher, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, okay, I'm not going to lock chamber. It'd be like third sentinel here. Um, so I guess I'm going jet. And I would enter sight. Neon would be covering flank with the off. And then there'd be a sage. Chase was playing brim, I think. Or were you Sova? Sova. Probably Sova. Nice box, box. Yeah. And then a cipher, just like still in A lobby. And I'm like backside A. I'm like, maybe I was just going too fast. But, like, it's like Neon should be there with me, was like oh, yeah. the whole point. And it's like, you having an AWP and watching Flank, that's a job for either the Sage or the Cypher. Not having the AWP, but watching Flank, yes. But like, if they want to have the AWP and watch Flank, like, so be it. You know, I yeah. can plant for long. You can, you can just play Bomb Timer. Yeah, I mean, um, we all agree that, that that Neon should have... They should fucking buy a Spectre and slide into sight and get close to people or a different gun but yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i agree slide into sight do oh, what your agent can do hunter and i had this conversation last night but i'll i'll bring <laughs> oh, it out no. on the podcast oh, because no. uh i i you know I, I think someone's gotta stand in hunter's corner from time to time um i think the stinger could use a bit of a buff here and i think all it needs is a standing accuracy recoil reduction. I think that's all it needs. If I can properly stop and shoot, and the gun doesn't immediately take my recoil to the ceiling, 
I feel like it would be a very viable weapon at its price point. And I think to compensate for that, they should actually increase the price a bit. I think it should come in at like $1,200, have more manageable recoil, and I might actually like the gun. I mean, One thing yeah, that, yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with that. I think that, okay, so there, there's two things here. One is that, yes, I agree with the point that we've said this before in a podcast, is that we both think that the Stinger's dog shit, so obviously it needs a buff, right? Like, you can't have both opinions at the same time. I can't say that, like, the Stinger's dog shit and it should stay where it is. <laughs> oh, the Bucky's dog shit and it should stay where it is. No. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like the Stinger, yeah, it, it could use a buff, and I agree with you that the standing recoil is is fucked. I, the thing is that it is just so inconsistent with when it gets the kills uh, because of its massive recoil that I don't feel like using it. Um, Unless it's like the only thing you can buy, which is what you were saying last podcast. Yes, yes. So then the other point of that is that I really like having a gun in the range mm-hmm. of prices. Yes. Where, you know, I got a force, maybe the other team's at 12, you know, but I really, I forced up last round, so I don't have a shit ton of money. Um, and all I can buy, like, I can't buy Spectre light. Like, I yes. don't have enough money for Spectre and light, but I could buy Stinger full. Spectre Light, 2K, Stinger Full, just under 2K, okay. That actually, like, this was a situation that I came into, I, I can't remember if it was today or yesterday, but I was surprised that I couldn't buy Spectre Light, but I could buy Stinger Full. I mean, that's a $50 credit difference. <laughs> yeah, so somehow I was in that yeah. 50, I was on that 50 credits. You, okay. Wait, you couldn't buy what? You couldn't buy what? I couldn't buy Spectre Light. It's not, it's not a 50 credit difference. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I, I see what you're Okay, full. I thought you had the same amount of shields. That's why I was confused. No, okay, no, no, no. Now I'm getting it. Now I'm tracking. No, so it's ni- 1950 versus... Okay. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, But for 1950, Marshall full. Yeah, the thing is that the Marshall specifically goes to somebody who likes to Marshall op, and I can't use snipers. So sure, to have but... another gun that is... an that is a alternative. Yeah. That's not a fucking pistol. Okay. Okay. Because you need something on the level of the Marshall, something that's as good as the Marshall, but in the same price range. A Bucky. No, we both agree that the Bucky's dog shit. And I also agree. It can stay where it is. <laughs> I, yeah, we've, we've, we've talked about yeah, that yeah. ad nauseum. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I was just saying that like, Basically, I was just saying, I made this point off podcast last night, and I was like, I should say it on podcast, because, like, you know, someone should support Hunter in saying that, like, I feel like I could like the Stinger. I just feel like it needs a little oomph, and then I might actually really like the gun. Well, the thing is that Hunter's point is that it's good right now. So no, 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 that is his point, but it's, well, I can actually respond to that, that but I'd like to let you finish first, Chase. If, if there's, if buffing the stinger comes with a price increase, I don't think it should happen is what I wanted to say there. Mm. Because I think that it's very useful to have that, um, 
gun that is the same price as the Marshall? Um, and is it a viable alternative? See, I, I just feel like there's no gun that falls in the 1,000 to 1,500 credit range. Like, literally, there is no gun that falls in that threshold. And I feel like that's that's ripe for the picking, specifically for the Stinger. Like, if you look at the... Yeah, but then you're putting the Marshall and the Stinger into two, two different categories, where I feel like they should be in the same the same level of um, of purchase, right? It should be the same investment for those, but one is excels at long range and one excels at short range. But then... So I feel okay, like if you maybe the made Bucky. the Bucky better. Yeah, you've got the Bucky at that threshold. And put it at 950. Yeah. Right, Bucky 950, make it better, more reliable. Stinger, better, more reliable, up the price into that 1,000. Mm-hmm. 200 like, credit range. Yeah, then I could see it. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, I just kind of kind of wanted to bring that up. Um, well, before you move on, it doesn't yeah. sound like you're going to do. Uh, basically, I think this is very funny that Cass described this conversation as standing in my corner out of some sort of mm-hmm. charity when I actually am not in the corner <laughs> that's yeah. described as Hunter's Corner. Um, and the reason why is as follows. When the Stinger was first nerfed um it did feel terrible but there's something about the context that has changed since that initial stinger nerfed uh, that that initial stinger nerf broke my soul and broke my heart and that's that the other eco buy weapons notably the specter judge and bucky all have been nerfed since that hard stinger nerf to varying degrees and the specter got the lightest treatment probably whereas the bucky and judge have been nerfed significantly yeah, and no, and I, <laughs> and I don't I don't agree with the nerfs, at least the way they were implemented. As I, I said a couple of podcasts back, I think the eco guns being nerfed as hard as they have been is a problem. But within that scenario where all of the eco guns that were popular, the Marshall kind of slowly gaining popularity with the buffs is sort of the exception. Um, all of the other eco guns have been really reduced in their strength since the launch of the game. And within that current lineup of guns, I think the Stinger as it is works well. That being said, if you asked me what do you think would be a Stinger buff that would be that I would really enjoy without it breaking the game, assuming we did want to, birth the, to buff the Stinger, and I'll leave the price conversation aside because I can see valid points either way. Just what's a good Stinger buff that would make the gun more useful at what its identity is supposed to be? I think it's twofold. One, increase the fire rate back from 16 to 18. I think just be have, being able to spray insanely fast works out really well for the Stinger because right now it's timed kill is not that good compared to other guns, which means that basically you're more dependent on the RNG uh, of getting those headshots and also like abusing well or using the uh the run and gun capability of the stinger just because it has kind of low time to kill with the damage it does so move the fire rate back to 18 and the second thing is remove the burst fire penalty that was added with the nerf where if you burst fire too quickly your burst starts getting really uncontrolled i don't think anyone ever really had a problem with the burst of the stinger and i think that Basically, Cass and I were in the range last night experimenting with the Stinger, and Cass was saying at medium range, shooting the Stinger is tough because of the wild spread. And I think if you remove the nerf on the 
right click, then you know you right click to use the alternate fire for medium range and beyond, and you're good to go. So there's my there's my two cents on the issue as the only person who truly loves the stinger in this chat. Yeah, the the ADS burst for the stinger is very underutilized just because it's terrible. Well, like, okay. The sting the stinger is only really good in if you get up really close and use your, your standard fire. So I feel like I understand where you're coming from that if you buff the alternate fire, uh, you could put the stinger in a more viable range. In okay, general. but I feel like you're just that, that's a really slippery slope. Because, well, let me uh, like, interject real quick, Cass, to say that I'm not suggesting that they buff the right click of the alternate fire to better than it ever was. Just that they undo the nerf, where if you right click too many times, that it starts vastly in- increasing the spread of the right click. Because I don't think that was ever the problem with the stinger. Like in because the the time between the right clicks is so significant, and the bullets don't do much damage. If you're just standing out in the open, like shooting someone with the right click and you're just standing still like spamming right clicks it's still going to take you a significant time to kill them and if they have like any decent long range guns they can flick on you after the first burst before your second burst goes off so i guess i I guess that's my point there but back to you Cass. i like i I disagree because i think that makes the gun too versatile which is not what it's designed to be and And we had this conversation last night but that's not versatility if you have to right click to use a gun effectively that that in itself makes the gun not versatile because you're vulnerable to close range stuff which the gun is has its primary strength as if you're uh ads with it so i don't think that makes it versatile it makes it actually more difficult to use if you have to use the right click more often i don't like i i one bursted a bot in the range from 30 meters yeah, and then you tried to do it again, and you did it, like, one-fifth of the time. Like, it's not consistent. <laughs> like, I one-bursted a bot at 30 meters with a stinger right-click. Yeah, and then you tried to do it again and couldn't <laughs> for several shots. So Wait, what, your, what he is saying that now is that if you, if you did it again, yeah. or if you reverted it, then possibly... Like, if you made that more reliable, that's disgusting. That's what that's what the bulldogs. For. I guess I guess that's, that's not technically what what, uh, what Hunter was was suggesting. He was saying only if you are spamming, right? Then it then it slightly reduces from what it currently is. Right, spray. right. Because because that's my point. The right now the spray is tough to use in medium range, so you should have a little bit more flexibility with the right click. And I don't think it would hugely affect the gun really. I just think it would be a nice quality of life thing. And I like the idea of the gun as by far the fast fire most fast firing gun in the game but difficult to control, and you have to really work to control the gun. And if you only get that kill one-fifth of the time, like, sure, maybe sometimes you get it, you might feel like that's bullshit, but, you know, the other yeah, four yeah. out of five times they try to do it, you probably kill them instead. Right. right. I mean, like, like, I have killed somebody with a classic right-click at, like, similar distance before. Exactly. It's, got, it's, it's just God RNG. dumb RNG, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. like, just God RNG right there. Um, but... All right. Well, I I'm gonna call for an intermission kind of soon here. Um, oh, I was and... I was about to actually. Let's oh, okay. Yeah, well, hold on. Before before yeah. we really get to that, uh, I, I'm gonna make a statement here, and then I want to get your opinions on this statement. Oh, baby. Um, I think that ideally, and hopefully coming up soon, uh, for for Valorant, I I think the state of a healthy game, in terms of like weapon balance and whatnot, is if once a game. I find 
every gun being used with the exception of I, I believe when I said this last night, I said with the exception of shotguns and the Odin. Specifically because um like shotguns are very situational and so on maps like Breeze, kind of unlikely you're going to see a shotgun purchase. Um and then the Odin just being more expensive than the like um the Vandal Phantom, like I feel like oftentimes you're you might just not see that by nature of it being a bit more expensive. And sure, on Sova, it has a lot of utility, but overall, you know, that one's okay if I feel like I don't see all the time. But I feel like every other gun in the game, I would like to, I think it'd be really healthy if they get purchased at least once. Like, all the pistols, both Spectre and Stinger, um, like, Bulldog, Guardian, Phantom Vandal, and then Marshall, and I guess we can exclude the op, but the op currently gets purchased, so... That one's going to be in there, along with the Aries. I think every single one of those guns that I just listed, I, I would like to see being purchased at least once throughout the course of a game, just based on how the economy of the game goes. Yeah, so you're saying that there's enough variability in people's economy, even within a team. Say everybody's buying together, um, saving together. There's still enough variability that you want to see it so that those situations in which the gun is... Um, is best like come up for you at least one again once yeah. again and i'm not saying for me i'm saying for like for someone on your lobby team. yeah the yeah. whole lobby the whole lobby right because there's there's bound to be a situation where like you know you're you're on a bit of a dry spell you haven't gotten a kill in a couple rounds um the rest of your team has gotten a couple kills here and there they can afford full full shields like vandal phantom but because you haven't gotten a kill in the last two three rounds you're a bit short on cash like, rather than, which what I would do in this current situation is buy either Phantom Vandal Light Shields. I feel like I'd like to see the um, the Bulldog or the Guardian full shields purchase. Which, like, comes up every now and again, but not, I feel like, not once a game. Um, I feel like I often don't see Stingers at all during games. Unless somebody like Hunter, on either my team or the other team, happens to have a hard-on for that gun. <laughs> um, well, I I think that if we're talking about it, out of all the guns that you listed, the mm-hmm. only two that are not a part of that right now are Bulldog Stinger. I feel like Guardian's definitely not a part of that, and I feel like... I see a Garden, Guardian at least once a game, definitely. I would tend to agree. The Bulldog, not so much. Yeah, somebody I, buys I a Guardian at some without point. A bulldog. Yeah, and somebody buys the, a Guardian at some point in the game. But since the Ares nerf... I don't know, maybe I just mentally, you know, like, uh, confirmation bias or whatever. I don't like the gun, so I don't see it on the ground, even if it's there. But I feel like I haven't seen a lot of Ares since it got hit with that nerf again. Fucking great. Yeah, yeah I, I think but the, the Ares nerf... I, I would like to see an Ares at least once again. I, I love that the Ares nerf was, like, really not significant. Like, not hugely significant. It's still a buff overall, and yet just everybody dropped it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think that really shows kind of... It, it adds more evidence to what me and Chase were saying when Cass was complaining about the Ares being too strong, that people react based on, you know, the the thoughts of the group of, like, when the Ares was buffed, everyone was like, oh, oh boy, we all got to use this gun. And when it was nerfed slightly, people were like, oh, gun is trash now. And, like, neither yeah, they, they everyone buying it when it... word nerf or, worf, or word... Uh, yeah. Buff. 
Like, like when it, it was buffed, it wasn't as strong as people thought it was. And when it was nerfed, the nerf wasn't as significant as people thought it was. But yet that had it dictated huge swings in what people buy. That being said, I, I have heard or at least seen several threads on Reddit from avid Ares stands. Three Ares buff were saying that the combination of the buff and nerf that have now hit it have made them very much dislike the gun. And they would have much rather it had not been touched in the first place. Interesting. I actually haven't seen any of those threads. I, I've but, seen yeah. several I people it. make threads about that. We're saying that it, it had its place before, and they've now kind of ruined what that fit into, which I never used the gun before. I didn't use it when it got buffed. I'm not using it now that it's gotten nerfed again. I personally don't care. But like, I have seen people who were in your position, like the same way that you stand for the stinger. Um, There were people who were like that for the Ares, who are now complaining that like, you know, it, it didn't need to be changed in the first place, and now that it has, they feel like it's ruined the identity of the gun. Interesting. I mean, I would kind of agree. Not, not that it's ruined the identity of the gun. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about that because I rarely, if ever, buy a Ares. But I will definitely agree with that it didn't need to be changed in the first place. It was just people significantly undervalued it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter, was there anything you wanted to say um, on that? On Cass's original point, of seeing anything more than you said. No, um, it was like on what? What was your original point, Cass? Uh, I I think the sign of a healthy weapon yeah. balance. Seeing everything on the ground. Economy, oh, yeah, like, yeah. I, I should see everything. Yeah. Like I should see the guns being purchased once again. Yeah, I guess the only thing that I that came to mind for me is. I, and I said this last night when we were discussing the same topic. I think your bias against LMGs and shotguns is showing because I think even on breeze, LMGs and shotguns have a place. And I don't think that place is on offense. <laughs> but like, I think there are there are places you can oh, play LMGs on breeze. on breeze for sure. Well, just, right. Well, but I like shotguns, shotgun. I think you could buy a Bucky and play halls and just be like, you're not getting through halls. You're not getting to door. And mm-hmm. if you need to, you can drop down into mid and then, you know, contest mid doors and hold that off until your team is able to rotate through and then push in when your team is there with the longer range guns. So I I actually would like to take what you said even th- even further and say, on average, if you like took 10 games, you should see every gun uh, an average of one time per game at least mm-hmm. uh, in the game. Yeah. Alrighty, Chase, you got any comments on that, or uh, we calling for the intermission here? Yeah, we'll see you in a second. Alrighty. Alrighty, so uh, welcome back to uh, the podcast following our uh, our short intermission, which you guys won't have to deal with, because I'm sure Hunter will cut that out. Um, the next topic we're going to go into here is, what do we think the differences are between low and high elo? Because we toss those terms around quite a bit, but I don't know if we've ever really gone and defined them. Like, what do you guys think really makes the difference? Well, we kind of touched on this briefly earlier, but we mentioned that, you know, if we smurf, uh, Chase brought this up initially, that if we smurf in iron, like we hard smurf, which none of us do, but like if we did, uh, our results wouldn't be as spectacular as someone who is higher than us smurfing in iron, and particularly if they're much higher. And so I think one thing that's true is that the impact of Smurfs decreases the higher the rank you are, because if you're in Diamond, 
the worst that you could have is a radiant smurf who isn't you know vastly better than you whereas if you're in silver and you have a radiant smurf that person is vastly better than everyone in the lobby i mean it's a pretty classic saying that the only difference between immortal and radiant is game sense i i'd like to throw movement in there yeah i feel like that could be whether um, you want to call combined that in move sense or game sense name, yeah. but like yeah, but I, I agree. I'll, I'll that could be a separate. I'll, that could I'll be a separate on one later. Um, yeah, but I'd say the main two that get thrown around a lot are aim and game sense, and so it's understanding where you should be and what you should be doing in the game. Plus, when you once you've been put into those situations, are you able to get the kill? Right, those are the two separate things, and so I think at the very low elos, you have neither of those. Right, like either you're. Um. Yeah, yeah. You're just you're you have nothing. You're you're shit at the game. You know, you're <laughs> um, yeah. you can't put yourself in the right positions. Uh, you take duels you shouldn't. I mean, this is to say for all of us, right? We all do parts of this. And then there are a lot of times where you just whiff shots. You know, where you really shouldn't. You should be hitting those shots most of the time. Um, and then you get up into like the you know the gold lobbies, and I'd say that, um like gold, plat, you're in, you have probably an emphasis on one or the other, right? So you either have really good game sense and you can put yourself in scenarios where you're going to get the kills, right? Because you have a significant advantage in game sense or, you know, you're giving enough information or you know how to use your utility so well that you are severely disadvantaging the other team. That's all game sense. Or you can just take a fight and win it every time. And then you may not have the the uh, the opposite side of that, right? So then you're not technically, like, you're still missing a part of it, and therefore you're not in the uh, diamond immortal realm. Um, but then once you're up there, you pretty you pretty much have the best of both worlds: is that you know where where to be, and you can uh, you can take the shots once you're there. Um. Uh, I, I will say, Hunter, to, to counter your initial point, uh, Alex was complaining at the end of a last act when he was in, like, Immortal 1, that he was getting smurfed on by, like, Immortal 3s and Radiance, and was just getting dumpstered. Yeah, I don't think that's a counter to my point, because I think everyone uh, acknowledges that at the end of an act, there are vastly more smurfs than at any other time. So Alex experiencing that at the end of an act is not really a counter to my point in a meaningful well, way. Well, no, I was just well, saying, and if you're smurfing from radiant, maybe you're so good that the yeah, best you saying, can, someone... like, the worst you can be placed is immortal. You know, yeah. I was just saying, like, like yeah. if someone who is like, you know, I, uh, God, I looked at the leaderboard earlier today. I think Tarek currently is number one NA, right? Probably safe to say that if he went down to an immortal one lobby, he'd kind of stomp it. And so there's clearly, like, a large skill gap there. Sure. Which, like, you kind of seem to imply in your previous statement that, like, you didn't think that would be, like, a huge deal. Sure, but, okay, we, we consider that a well, one-rank gap, right? Yeah, I'm not saying, gap, right? yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying it's a... not a difference. I'm just saying that there's a much bigger difference between someone who's in Diamond and someone who's in Iron than there is between right, someone right. who's in Radiant and an Immortal. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, so that's I, why I, I'm saying Smurfs have the potential to just wreck your game much mm -hmm. more if you're at a lower rank, because there's a much higher range of ranks they could be from. Right. 
just a lot more people. So yeah. therefore a lot more Smurfs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the reason why I was bringing it up, Chase seemed to indicate I was just pointing out that people who are better at the game have higher ranks. I was trying to indicate that a big, a much more significant part of the lower ranked experience is dealing with Smurfs who are just dominating the game. Not that it happens every game, but when it does happen, it can be much more oppressive than at the higher ranks. That's that's what my point is. Okay, yeah, I I see that more than yeah more than I did before. Cool, cool. I mean, yeah. like. The my typical strategy for dealing with Smurfs is find where the Smurf plays, avoid him at all costs. Yeah, which is why it's hard Hundred to deal with the Smurf when the Smurf is on attack. Thieves literally executed that strategy against CNED in Berlin. Right, right. So like, like it is definitely possible at no matter what rank you are in the game for someone whether they're just better or whether they're just popping off this game to have such a large impact that your entire game plan revolves around, let's find out where they are and fuck off. CNET um, is smurfing confirmed. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> CNET is smurfing in pro games. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'd say it's a general rule of thumb. I, I do agree with Chase. Like, yeah, it's a combination of, like, game sense and aim. Uh, yeah, like, obviously, it, it's kind of hard to draw a line in the sand. And I, I feel like the general rule of thumb is people say, like, once you get the plat, that's kind of high elo. Excuse me. Um, so, like, some people on Reddit go as far as to saying plat is, like, mid-elo. Um, and then anything beneath that is just low elo. And then when, like, you're in a mortal radiant, that'd be high elo. I feel like it's really hard to, like, definitively just draw a line in the sand. Um, but as I said earlier, I think movement has a huge impact on like high versus low elo just your ability to to strafe and properly counter strafe um and just like get out of dodge when you need to like how predictable you are with how you're going to move like i i i think that i have a fairly good sense of when someone is smurfing or just having a good game just based on watching their movement. So like I, I I think like movement is a very important characteristic between high and low elo. Um and the reason that I even got put on to that thought process was um Hunter when I first took over your account like Stone Barn Brawler to play with your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided I was going to like either Marshall or like Seraph only in those games so that I'm not having a disproportionate effect on the game uh, by using like phantoms and vandals and stuff like that. And it, it was just so much easier to hit those headshots with both of those guns in those lobbies because people were just a lot more predictable with how they moved, a lot more predictable with how they peaked. Um, and so like I, like I, I think the whole concept of your control over your character, both in terms of, or like not exclusively in terms of aim, like has a, it's just so much higher in high elo than it is in like low or medium. Yeah, I think that uh, what you said brings to mind a very unconnected situation, which is that even in XCOM, which is a not at all like Valorant, the same principle applies where 
movement is arguably the most important part of the game where people have posed the question online would it be better to have an experienced XCOM player being in charge of movement or in terms of ability usage and uh it's everyone answers movement so I, I think it's sort of a universal principle of like hardcore tactical games regardless of the genre that the way you position yourself is overlooked and vitally important so i would i would tend to agree with what you're saying there that movement is key isn't xcom a turn-based game yeah but it's uh yeah. it's it's based on like blocks so you can move to different blocks so that you have lines of sight on enemies so it's a slower paced game than valorant when it comes to movement and you can vastly so yeah. yeah but it has the same kind of um like it it, it relates to the same okay. thing of yeah. you're trying to position yourself in a way where you have an advantage over mm-hmm. your enemy exactly yeah so i just thought it was interesting how those two things connect so much that yeah movement is key in a tactical game games that aren't tactical doesn't matter like risk of rain well, actually, Mirror Screen movement is pretty important, movement. too, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never mind. Movement's important in a lot of things. I mean, yeah. I mean, platformers are completely based on movement. Right. Um, I mean, melee. I mean, yeah, like, fighters, right? Mm-hmm. Completely, huge. Yeah. completely based on it. Like, yeah, Cass and I have played a lot of melee, and I know, Hunter, you've played a bit now. Um, yep. My movement just, is horrible I mean, in melee. M- movement is massive. When someone can, like, I don't know. When, when I watch, I, this is a little off topic, but when, when you watch Amsa move around the stage as Yoshi, you're like, holy or fuck. like, Bop's platform movement? It's yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. But anyway, I, I think the point of that is that, yes, you can tell whether someone's low or high ELO based on their movement because they're just, they feel a lot more comfortable as the character and they can position themselves in a lot more minute ways. Right when you're just starting the game of Valorant, I feel like you're like, okay, I'm gonna peek this corner, but you don't, you don't exactly have the skill or the time in the game to understand like, oh, I shouldn't just walk into the open and stop. Or you might know that, but to actually perform like a, like a jump peek, is yeah. a lot more difficult, right? So you have to have time and practice in the game to understand those mo- movement mechanics, when to use them. And to make it seem like it's effortless, right? Yeah, I've got firsthand experience watching my dad how to learn, like learn the movement of Valorant. Like when he started, he was so incredibly awkward. Like I was amazed, like how much like skill I had built up without realizing it when it comes to movement. And he's really, he's really learning. But exactly what you said, Jace, all the ba- all the basics of being good at movement really are not that intuitive, and you have to learn them by playing the game and by working on them. And if you don't, you know, that sort of marks you as a low-tier player before you can improve. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a a factor of playing the game more, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the more you're in-game, the more you move around your character, you're going to realize how they move, how you can move it, so that it you can see certain things or you can perform certain actions. Right. Um, and if you get more comfortable with those, then it you can just do them all the time, right? And yeah. you're not going to fuck them up, right? Like, every now and then, like, I'll still fuck up a jump peak and I'll land out in the open and then I'll die. Right, mm-hmm. so that's what my movement's not high tier then, because I a jump peak is a basic movement mechanic. I should be able to do that every time if I want to be better. Right? You're talking about like the jiggle jump peak, not like jump peaking with an off. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking. Yeah, about okay, jump okay, peak. yeah. I wait, when you and Hunter said that, I was thinking jumping out with the off, and I'm like, wait, you're and supposed just into to the, end the open. Up in the open. <laughs> yeah. like, like that's what you're supposed to do. 
no, like jiggle, jump, beak, knife yeah, out, yeah, you okay. know, just to yeah, see yeah, if yeah. someone's in the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with a yep. little, little throw in the shoulder, just for, yeah. just to see if you get any action. Yeah. Hmm. I don't. I have to say that, like, now I don't. Hunter is probably the only one who can actually answer this because, um, like, it's something I noticed, like Chase, when you started playing. And like when Tony started playing and watching Hunter's dad when he when he, now he started playing, um, which per, perhaps I was guilty of this too, but I feel like having some CS experience, like perhaps less so, is that I find that so often like when new players like start Valorant and I'm spectating them, they're just like not moving their WASD keys and just like moving their mouse around and like panning back and forth not really understanding like where to go or what to do. Um, okay. Well, like, here, here's, here's something that proves the point is that, you know, I play Valorant quite a bit. It takes up a lot of my time. My girlfriend gets mad at me sometimes for never doing that. But she, a while ago was like, you know what? Fuck it. Teach me how to play. Right. Yeah. And a comment that she made after she played, like we just played a bunch of death matches. Um, and she said, why would I ever hit my A and D keys when I can just move with my W key and moving my mouse around? Interesting. That is really something. Well, I mean, she's on to something. Just W key. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you diff- need a W key. A and thus we find bit. out why Cass is in low elo. Uh, yeah. Occasionally you need to hit S to, like, counter strafe your, your W. <laughs> yeah, but like that's literally just proving the point of yeah. when you start the game, you don't understand all of the like intricacies of the movement of the game, right? Because yeah. saying you never use your A and D keys sounds ridiculous to us, right? Because we've played so much Valorant, like, and we obviously use WASD a lot, yeah. right? But when at, you're first starting the game, what what, uh, what key has the most wear on it? Yeah, but when when you're starting playing the game, you're like, okay, well, I can hit W and S to go forward and back, and I go in whatever direction I'm looking. So I just move my mouse around. I can move sideways if I just look that way. Right? So it it seems like a viable strategy if you were to know nothing about the game. But then you're like, well, you got to look in that direction then to move. Like you're taking your eyes off of wherever else you want to be looking. Um like that, so it's just stuff that you learn while you play, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you, she hasn't gotten into any situations where maybe she needs to be looking at an angle, but moving in a different direction. So she doesn't right. understand the usefulness of it. But yeah, that's just like, to prove also, that point. Like, uh, also, I feel like, at least for me in particular, um, like ha- having come from more arena based tactical shooters, uh, like playing a good amount of like, um, like Destiny is strafing in general is a good amount of how I aim. Um, and obviously in those kind of games, you are accurate while you're moving. And the time um, to kill is higher as well. So strafing while is shooting is much better. Yeah. Um, but like, like all of that in consideration, like I, I use A and D to line up my crosshair quite a bit rather than moving my mouse. Um, which which is something that I like. I noticed when like, uh, if I'm doing like a routine in aim labs, 
a bunch of them, like your keyboard literally just doesn't give inputs. Like you can't move your your position in aim labs. And so it's exclusively just your mouse movement. And I find that it's a lot harder for me to like line up shots as quickly because I can't straight back and forth. Yeah. Now I will say, um, to answer your question, Cass, which I haven't really done yet, as to did you, you know, struggle with just kind of freezing up and not knowing when to be aggressive when it comes to movement and entering a site or, you know, not even entering the site, just moving around with all the keys uh, mm -hmm. and supporting the team. Um, when you started, I, I really don't think that you did. I can't remember that because of your counter-strike experience. Um, but, and, and I think a big part of it as well, and this is something that CS has, has taught you is that with Tony and dad, a lot of times I feel like part of it is the movement and part of it is also that they're not, they get a bit overwhelmed by all the data that they're processing. So like for one thing that's interesting to me is when I play with my dad and I'm, and, uh, and I'm dead or I'm just watching him play a game and I'm in discord and watching his stream. There'll be a lot of times where I call out someone is to your right, get ready for that fight. Someone is coming through tunnel. Like, and he has no idea. Like, I hear it from his stream, and he hasn't been able to process, oh, I hear someone moving, and that's not my teammate. I need to be ready for that fight. So I think that plays into it as well, that when you're both learning the aspects of the game in terms of processing the environment around you, and you're not comfortable with your movement keys, it just is a lot harder to feel comfortable, you know, pushing into territory where you have to be peeking different angles using all your movement keys in conjunction with your mouse ready to take duels. It just feels a bit overwhelming. And that's something that only comes with, with time. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of information to process. I guess you don't realize how much information you're processing when you're you know, yeah. dealing with one interaction, but you hear somebody behind you and you have to decide, when do I look away from this interaction if I don't get the kill? Do I back up into this corner so I block off that angle of sight and then peek this angle? Right, right. right. That's a lot of information to take in and then act on in a very short amount of time. Where exactly. If you're just starting the game, you don't know how to process that or where that information is coming from. So it's much harder to react to it in the time that you need to. Right. I'm like, I guess another thing, like kind of, kind of looping back here to Melee a bit, is one of the things that I was told um, like when I, when I started getting into, into Melee seriously is you shouldn't be looking at your character. You should be looking at what your opponent's doing, and you should know how your character moves. Interesting. Um, and I feel like, while it doesn't directly one-to-one -one, like relate to Valorant, it's kind of similar. Where it, well, it's the difference between first person and third person, but I it still relates. Right. Like yeah. I, I don't I don't think about how my character is moving. I know how my character is moving, and I know how to get my character to move the way that I want it to. So I don't have to worry about that, and instead I can focus on what the enemy is doing. How are they peeking me? Where are they going to be pushing from? Like, what kind of utility are they going to be throwing? Whereas, like, yeah, I guess if you are, like, completely brand new to the game, you probably have to put a lot of mental thought process into, like, okay, I want to move to the right. I have to, like, hit my D key and, like, swing my mouse to the side to, like, look in this direction. And so I, I definitely see what you're saying is how there's just like a whole lot more to process because it's not second nature. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when, when we're, when we're moving in, in melee or in Valorant, it's like, I know if I press this button or this key, then my character is doing this and it has this amount of 
ending lag or, you know, it time to reequip yeah. my weapon. Um, and so you're not thinking about that. You know where your character is and you're focusing on everything that your character is seeing instead of focusing on, okay, how do I need to move my character to get out of this situation? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, just doubling down on that, even though I don't play melee on the idea of feeling comfortable with your ability usage. That's one of the things going back to Tony and dad that with dad, he'll often like ask me, like, do you want me to leer out here? Or he'll be trying to figure out what button to press to do the ability he wants to use. And that's all stuff that I don't, that's second nature to me. Like I'm not going to pretend my ability usage is perfect on any character. It's far from it. Otherwise I wouldn't be in silver, <laughs> but like my, but like, that's something that I just see a scenario and I make a quick decision about what a bit, what I want to do. And then I do it without having to think, think through that. And like with Tony, one of the biggest things we give him crap for in game is how often he's chilling in his camera as Cypher when that may not be the most useful way to use his time at the moment. So that's certainly something that, that has a role, whether it's melee or Valorant, just feeling comfortable that you can make quick decisions, even if sometimes those are the wrong decision and then you learn from that, but that you're making a fast decision when it comes to what, abil- what ability am I using here and just executing that quickly. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly that. It's the difference between saying, I'm going to shock dart this as Sova and thinking, yeah. I'm going to shock dart this. Okay, that's Q. Okay, now <laughs> right, I'm charging right. it. I have to hit left click to charge it. One, two, three bar charge in this direction. Okay, now shoot it right like there's yeah, yeah. a much different thought process there of oh i got a shock dart this angle versus that entire process of mm-hmm. so it, it's being comfortable with how your abilities work and which buttons your abilities are that your finger just goes there when you know what you want to do yeah yeah oh also uh chase this is something that like okay so you know how when you spawn into the practice range for like you're just by default sova yeah if I fire a shock dart, do I have to hit what is shock dart Q? Yeah. Do I have to hit Q again to pull my bow back out and fire another shock dart? Yep. Huh. That was weird. I was trying to fire like consecutive shock darts. No, you hit like, Q wait again. Wait a sec. <laughs> like, my, <laughs> like I was wondering if that was just something because like you know the game kind of stutters when it switches to the character you select. I was wondering if that was what was going on or whether you actually had to like pull your bow back out. To fire another arrow. No, yeah. When you when you fire an arrow, whether that be, I guess it doesn't really matter with recon because you only have one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you put your bow away as part mm-hmm. of your ending lag, and then you are able to pull it back out. So what we're learning to our great surprise is that Cass is not a Sova main. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I play. I play two characters. Um. Okay, but something that, like, Chase brought up earlier, like, in this podcast, right? And, like, perhaps it was kind of just, like, an offhanded remark or whatever, but, like, I seem to do better against people who are in, like, gold and, like, plat elo than I do against people who are in, like, bronze elo. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that there's so many times in which I get into an engagement, and the only thought process running through my head is, what the fuck are you doing right there? Like, like you have no business being here right now. Like, why the hell did you not rotate when your entire team was focusing on my 
teams push, like four-man yeah, push yeah, into yeah. the site. <laughs> I'm lurking, but it's been two minutes and you're still right. over. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you here? Like, so basically, when you're you playing in bronze elos. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, um, yeah, it's just like, there, there's so many situations that just like catch me off guard because in my mind, it would make no sense for you to be there. Right, like yeah, so the, basically the what you're saying is every time you're in Bronze Elo, you feel like you're playing against formerly 100 Thieves, now T1 uh, Steel. <laughs> like, how are you there? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> oh, man. It's yeah, like, I mean, in his case, it was very uh, carefully calculated of where to be. So yeah. <laughs> Sometimes well, watching him, I wonder if it is, but yeah, yeah theoretically, yeah. yes. Uh, well, theoretically, he should be telling his entire team where to be, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I spent, like, 40 seconds on Icebox, holding B Wong with an off. Right? Like, this is not anywhere near the beginning of the round. Like, there's been ample time. And I was holding this angle because our team was, was like, doing a decent job of holding off the attacking push onto A. And, like, I, I'm looking at my mini-map, and I'm getting comms. Like, they're not on site. But, like, they're all kind of heavily attacking A. Like, we've got smokes down. We've got, like, a sage wall up. Like, they're kind of held back for now. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hold B long in case they rotate off. And I was probably there for, like, 45, 50 seconds into the round. And then, like, people on site start dying. And I'm like, okay, time to go. Right? Like, I got to rotate over. There is a sage sitting in B garage with a fucking bucky. A minute into the goddamn round. I mean, That's in crazy. that specific case, no, she shouldn't be there. But also, if you got a Bucky, you're like, I'm no use pushing onto A site. What A site has a bunch of tight, like tight corners. Push into maze, lock maze down. Yeah, like, even if you're not the first one in, if you're just like holding the site after your team has secured yeah. it, that still has some value. It's just like, yeah, it's true, like, true. We're, Much we're better a minute, than site, we're a but... minute into the round, your team is on a planting spike. Why the fuck are you in B garage? You shouldn't be there, but there is a little bit part of my brain that's like, you know, kind of, kind of big brain to be like, someone's probably yeah. gonna rotate through B long, and I've got a Bucky, I can get him in garage. No, but I can yeah, and understand. the big thing is the weapon upgrade potential. The... Even if they didn't know you right. had an op. Yeah. Like, the the gamble of, if no one rotates through B, then I've been useless to my team as the risk. And the reward being, if someone does, they're not going to expect it, and I'm going to get that weapon upgrade to be able to hustle over to A and then support my team with a much better weapon. So, okay, but I'm they probably hope hope to play. Well, the I understand, yeah. that. Hope that, I understand that for, like, earlier. the first 30 seconds. Yeah, they hope that you peak earlier, but at that point, they're like, okay, my team's on A. We have no mid control. If I run past mid with a Bucky, I'm fucked. Yeah. Uh, Best place to like, be at that point yeah. is like I might as well stay here, yeah. maybe get a weapon upgrade and be able to save. I, I don't. If memory serves, they ended up losing the round, and they probably saved. Like they probably just like held on to my op, but like they lost the round because their teammates died on site, and like they like they were just all the way across the map. There's no way to contest defuse. Yeah, and, like, I, I come to my team like, hey, like. Like, Sage is B-Long. Like, you can hold the defuse. There's nothing she can do about it. 
Oh. Yeah, in that case, it does seem like um, the play, the risk certainly outweighed the reward because, especially on attack, the value of her getting an op on attack yeah. probably doesn't uh, outweigh the risk of uh, losing the round, particularly particularly unless she is really good with the op or is going to give it to a teammate who is. In that case, maybe it's a bit different. But either way, that does seem like a... Uh, it seems it like not like, a place they should be. Yes, definitely. It, it seems like, should, you know, it was a good it idea. Seemed, it seems like high, uh, high risk, low reward is what it seems like. It seemed like a good idea for like the first 30 seconds, you know? You're hiding in a little cubby in B garage. If I, if I immediately after the start of the round see, oh, there's a heavy push going on B or on A site, maybe I'm going to hit this fast flank. Try to get behind them. Well, I will say that's the high risk because I totally agree with Chase said. Like, if you're 30 seconds in with that Bucky and your options are stay there or rotate to A, the chance of you providing any value with that Bucky. First, there's the there's the question of getting across mid, if anyone's watching that. But then there's, even if you get to sight. Nobody's one-tapping you if you bunny hop across No, if, it's not one-tapping. You have a Bucky. You can't do anything. They can six-tap you. Don't challenge the you can do. It's a well, big... just sprint across. No, you can still a... get six tapped. Yeah, but my it's point a is that adapt of cross. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's there's that, and then there's the, the, the and then there's the other factor of once you get to site, if you've planted in the in like the normal spot on icebox, which is either default or for long, like your Bucky is of limited value. Like maybe you yeah. kill the spike planter if you manage to get up close to them, but that's going to be very tough. For the for for the whole team, if they approach you from multiple angles, to not gun you down. So, like my my point is, I I I think it's a questionable call to camp be long with a Bucky. But once you're there at the start of the round, I understand the call to not rotate off that. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's probably a better call to push with your team and be able to be in in right. elbow or whatever. What with with a Bucky, but yeah, like once I like, you're I, there, yeah. you probably stay there. Like, I really like camping B long when my team is pushing A if I'm playing someone who is not necessary for the site push with a stinger. Because there, at least, I have slightly more value in being able to contest other fights with that stinger than I do with a Bucky. And so I, I if I do commit to that B long, you know, uh, play, I will commit to it. But I wouldn't oh, no, do no, that with a Bucky. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I play Chamber, and I work a lot. Like, I, I very much what understand. You always have a headhunter to get, get you across places. Yeah. Assuming my econ allows. Yeah, but if gotten... you have to save, you'd rather buy headhunter bullets than you would a save weapon, so... Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, I, you, okay, well, I often buy a marshal when I'm saving, if credits allow. The The time that I stack up on headhunter bullets is in one of three scenarios. Uh, the first scenario being, I can't afford a gun that I want to save with which would be either Sheriff Marshall. It's like, hey, I got 300 credits that I can spend and full buy next round. I'm going to buy three Headhunter bullets. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to take an opening duel. Uh, like, I'm going to peek a long angle, and, you know, maybe I get that one tap. Um, uh, or alternatively, I have enough money to the point where it's like, well, shit, I'm going to max. Like, my team's also loaded. It's not like somebody is really hurting for a buy. I'm just going to buy out my headhunter bullets. Like, because what else am I going to do? Right. Or situation number three is I'm going to alt. And therefore, I'm going to have a ton of money next round. 
to the point where I could buy an op full shields, full utility, no problem. Um, I might as well buy some headhunter shots. Or you could ult and then buy a judge. And then if someone pushes you with your ult, blam, blam. You sleep on the judge potential of playing chambered cast, and it bothers me. I'm not going to lie. I, I actually t- totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Or a shorty. I sleep on the shorty yep. potential. Not going to lie, because as Jet, I will almost always have a pocket shorty. You sleep I on the like, judge potential as well. I feel like just chamber, the, the pocket shorty, um, is something I don't often get. Because I'm like, oh, I've got my headhunter to fall back on. But I feel like oh. I should buy that pocket. The shorty is much better at close range than your yeah. headhunter is. Dude, like, I, I, I thought yeah. it was interesting when they gave but him. But the judge is better at a little bit further range. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and if but multiple people I'm are not... rushing you down, if there are three people rushing you down, yeah. you could feasibly kill all three of them with a judge. You can't with a shorty. Well, but I... I get the first kill with my op, and then there's a slow field. They're not rushing me down. No, anymore. but this is before. they're at extremely close range, and they yeah. peek you, and you're not really ready to shoot with your op. You have to no scope with your op. Whereas with okay, the short, me, with the judge, you're chilling. This is okay. Sense. You're playing breeze, and you're you're peeking what B window. Yeah, um, yeah. and with your op, and somebody mm-hmm. flanks you, and comes into window. I'm, I'm taking that duel with the op. Well, here's the thing. Suppose you ha- suppose you have your trademark, and suppose yeah. it goes off, but the other person is you know reasonably aware of that, so they jump out of the slow field. They're not stuck in the slow field. Mm-hmm. Like they they as, as soon as it starts going off, they jump out. At this point, now you have to worry about someone pushing up from B while you're not watching B, and you have to worry about the flank. It's really nice to be able to whip out that judge and aggressively hit the person who's flanking, and then go back to your op for the person who's coming from B. Like, like okay, with the uh, op, you're forced to hold the flank until they peek, and maybe they don't even peek because they know well, they've scared you, and then okay, someone but, comes up to you from the other side. Yeah, I, I'm saying because because of the martial like abilities, movement wise of Chambers alt, I'll probably just take that duel with the alt, and I'm not really saving on that much econ if I also buy a judge. Yeah, I'm talking about in a situation where you're not necessarily saving a ton of econ, where you want to use your ult. Like, yeah, I right. agree. If you need to save, then, yeah, you use the ult without the judge. Yeah, the judge is not a great econ gun. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I would, I, I often find that in times, even if I'm, like, like flushed on cash, like, I, not, I'm not at 9k credit, right? But, like, I'm flushed. I'd rather pop my ult and be like, if we lose the next two rounds, or, like, if we lose this round, which I'll pop my ult, I'm going to be able to buy next round and the round after. Whereas if I buy the judge, then maybe I, I can only buy the next round. Well, but maybe you win the next round instead. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, maybe you win that round, you know? I don't know. I, instead, I don't instead of being taken out with only your ult. With, with the exception of a shorty in a comp game, I don't think I have ever bought a shotgun. Or an yeah, and that's where you're sleeping on him. That's what I'm saying. Sleeping hard, bro. You were you were talking about earlier how when you're smurfing, you often use martial only, yeah. Uh, in 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 an effort to not stomp too much. And when I'm playing with my dad, if we're not if, if we're not losing, I will go. I will alternate between poor man's buy and gentleman's buy. Where poor man's buy is Bucky uh, Ghost, and gentleman's buy is uh, Judge Sheriff. 
and it's it's so much fun. You can get you can get a lot of disgusting kills with that setup, even if sometimes it does backfire. Okay, looping back to the start of this podcast, and we're talking about people throwing, like perhaps unintentionally. In the last game that Chase and I played, there was a raise who would just double blast pack in with a judge, with a judge, every mm-hmm. round on defense. On defense, yeah, and would die every round. Every round. Die. That sounds horrible. Like they on go offense, from ramp, from a ramps to a main on split. Um, wow, it was really, really bad because I was playing breach, you know, on on a main, and I was like, "Raise, I'm flashing for you. Just hold the angle." Yeah. Right, like I have concussed them already, but they, what she would do is I would concuss them. She'd blast pack in, but I you know a couple people dodge the concuss because there's a cubby there. Yeah, but my my concuss is not supposed to get everybody. It's supposed to delay their push. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not supposed to set up someone blast packing in with the judge. Yeah, maybe if, if I ult, use it properly. If I if I ult, then maybe that's yeah. useful. But if but also I, I don't like my yeah. chances with a judge against five people who are concussed. I agree. Like no, and chances. that would that would be the problem too, is that she right. would blast pack in, she'd see four people on the minimap, or like I would see four of them on the minimap, and they would just kill her, even if they're concussed. Because yeah, you and have even four if she people gets, firing a single bullet. Yeah, and even if she gets one even if she gets one person there before dying, a one for one trade for an attacker, attack. you'll take that every time. Yeah. You will take a one-for-one one when you're pushing into a site if you know there's one less person on site. Yeah. Like, that's I fine. Mean, like, I like I, I can see the argument if she was also taking space with it. But she's not if she's dying. That's the but whole she's point. not if she's dying, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's the whole problem is we don't right. get any space. We don't get any map control. And now you're dead. Or, like, yeah, God, in, in that exact same game, there's another scenario where, like, in what was a 3v1, the other two people on my team, when I had an op, um, decided to aggressively push this sage when we had, like, Spike down fully in our control and died to her, gave her her alt, and she raised somebody, and now I'm in a 1v2 with an op. Ooh, that's rough. <laughs> like, that was, like, that was that, a dumb, dumb round. Th- that is throwing. That is actively sabotaging the team. See, I think throwing not, implies it, intentional throw, rather than yeah. just you make a bad play. It is intentional. You made the choice to go push her. No, there's a difference, Cass. There's definitely a difference between throwing and that. That is yeah. a person making a bad choice of, of like, you know, like they thought that it would work. Somewhere in their mind, they're like, you know, I'm going to make this work, right? Throwing is actively knowing I'm going to go die right now. And I'm gonna, yeah, or I'm care. going to sabot, or I'm going to do something that will deliberately impact my team's chances of winning in a negative way. You yeah. taking that gunfight is deliberately impacting our team's chances of no, winning. No, but they don't know that because they're thinking yeah. every time I'm going to get three kills here. It didn't yeah, work like, last time, but this time I got it. Yeah, like with the raise blast pack scenario, I'm not sure. I would have to be in the game and see what text and voice comms they were using. That, I think, is a borderline case where it could be throwing or it could not be because maybe their thought is, I'll big brain them. They would never expect me to keep doing this. They would expect me to stop at some point. 
So if I do it round, eventually it will work. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the because the sage thing is like you know the people get excited they get they get excited and they say that yeah in my opinion inting and throwing are the same thing because like inting stands for intentionally throwing yeah yeah and then like I think throwing but yeah I think throwing and inting are the same thing. Okay. Okay. So in in the context that we're talking about when you're saying you're going to report them, you report them for inting. If we want yeah. to be very specific, yeah. about it. you don't right. report someone for throwing. Someone doesn't like have a bad gunfight and you dumb. immediately throw them. I mean, sorry, you know what I'm you, saying? Yeah, no, you, you, you are throwing. You, throw you are right. <laughs> but Cass, I, I agree with you. They are throwing by immediately blast backing in and dying. Yeah. They're, they're However, not. They're not. I think. Yeah, I think the problem with you reporting people for throwing because they make strategical decisions that are arguably questionable and that you don't agree with is that that, that clogs up for riot employees the queue of people who are actually intentionally throwing who they need to actually ban. Oh, like, I no, think you there's, sending there's those no reports way. just makes more work for people who need to actually there's, there's ban no people way who are. There's an actual human looking at those report statistics, dude. If you there absolutely is like there I mean, absolutely think, are people who i think do. there's an algorithm which then sends it to a human right right yeah i i agree i think i think the way their algorithm works is if someone gets you know five reports from one game then they say okay well let's just let's not act solely based on that maybe the other team was just super toxic but then if someone gets a bunch of reports over time then they do have a human look at it. And if, you know, you have one game where a five sack is being toxic and they report one member of the other team, and then the next game you report them because of your reason, then maybe that now a human is wasting their time reading your report. They didn't buy round two and being like, God damn it. I wasted my time on this. (laughs) Like, that's not ending. (laughs) So, like, I feel strongly that you shouldn't... Yeah, but when you were like, like Chase, you, said, you're not you reporting someone for throwing. Yeah. You report them for ending. Okay, and that's, that's I, I, I think the thing is intent. Like the actual report button is intentionally sabotaging the team. Exactly. Like that like is when, the button that you would press to report them. Yeah, it like when I when I say sabotaging the team. Yeah, when I'm saying when I say when I'm playing, I'm throwing because I did something that didn't turn out the way I hoped it would. I'm not saying please report me for intentionally (laughs) sabotaging the team. I'm admitting that I made a poor decision or a decision that made some sense, but it didn't turn out the way I hoped. Like there's a key difference between inting and throwing, and you shouldn't report people for throwing without inting. That's my opinion, at least. What's the uh, four? <laughs> yeah, just to be clear for those of you who are not video listeners, which is zero of you because we don't have a video podcast, Chase is saying to wrap the conversation up with the uh, visual gesture. Yeah, yeah, and Cass just is not understanding that whatsoever because he'll talk no. for fucking eight hours. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to our Patreon, which doesn't exist for the video footage of our podcasts. Yeah, maybe one day. One day yeah. we'll have a video element, although I really don't want to do that because I, I really hate video podcasts, but that's a topic for another day. Hey, well, also, Chase, your background is much messier than either of ours, so I think that might be uh, playing into it. I'm not, yeah, not going to yeah. lie. It's because I'm actually in my room and neither of you are. Yeah. <laughs> my room? Yeah, your room is a separate room from your bedroom. Well, my room. Yeah, okay, you have two rooms. I don't see your bed, Cass. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Chase here. I, I feel like, though, this podcast camera. should... I feel like this podcast, though, has kind of reached its natural conclusion, unless there's anything else <laughs> you want to talk about, though, uh, Cass. We're moving on to talking about beds, which is pretty divorced from actual Valorant, so... Yeah, I think that um, 
the last thing we wanted to talk about was that in the Discord, which uh, thank you to everybody that's joined it. We, we're getting a lot oh, more yeah. members uh, after the last couple episodes have dropped. So um, go join the, our Discord. It's linked on the um, subreddit, which is r slash Drunk Valorant Podcast. Yep. Um, and it's just at the top there. Click the Discord link, hop in there. Um, we're going to be organizing some some games slash maybe attorney or something. We haven't decided yeah. what the details are going to be. So um, hop in the Discord. We'll be announcing all of that in the Discord. So um, stay that tuned. Be pretty fun. Yeah. Yep. If you think you're if you think you're better than us, feel free to challenge us to one v one. Oh, you Absolutely. probably are. So yeah, we're yeah. I already challenged one person to one v one, and they just ignored it. So you know, man, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. ready for this, dude. One v one, Rust intervention only. You say one v one Rust? Yeah. Or or after like you're talking about Rust, you're game? talking about the wrong game. I don't know what you want someone in Rust. I don't know that game. No, 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 not the game. No, Rust. no the map, the map in the CS:GO. The survival game. I was like, what? Get your games together. <laughs> yeah, no, he's talking about CS:GO. But no, I'm talking about confused. COD. You're talking about COD? Nah. <laughs> No, what the heck? I'm not playing COD either. What are, what are you on? Or one v one me on FD Fox v Fox. Yeah, okay. I'll one v one you on whatever game you want. If you buy me that game, if I don't have it, <laughs> I'll put that out there. If you buy me whatever COD game has the Rust map, then I'll one v one you on it. But otherwise, no way. All right. So I guess that uh, that kind of wraps us up for tonight. Uh, we'll drink with you later. <laughs>